the first little stuff up I remember doing it. I, I picked up everyone's knives at the end of the day. I grabbed them all by the handles. I had probably about eight knives in my hand. And uh, one of the butchers turned around and because the blades were sticking out, I walked straight into his arm. So I cut him, he pulled, pulled the bone and knife out and he was like, give me the knife and that. And he stabbed me back in the arm. And he was like, that's what happens when you do stupid things like that. I'm Danny Vallant and this is Dirty Linen, the podcast that takes the issues the hospitality industry finds hard to air in public and shakes them all about. As we stick with mental health for this week of Dirty Linen, it's a real pleasure to have Liam Crawley come and chat to us. Liam's a chef with a really interesting background and it is that background in the weeds, I guess, that has inspired Liam to create Hospo for Life, an organisation that aims to inform and assist people in hospitality who are dealing with mental health issues. Thank you so much, Liam, for coming and having a chat today. It's an absolute pleasure. Thanks for having me, Danny. It's so important what you're doing and I know that we stand beside each other in uh, wanting to help people who are struggling with their mental health in the hospitality industry and current circumstances are certainly extra challenging for people who are working and perhaps not working as much as they would like in this industry at the moment. Oh, definitely, definitely. You've had a a really intense journey. Um, So do you want to just... yeah, just summarise what brought you to this point in your life. Yeah, I guess, um, yeah, I have, I have got a very sort of a very large personal story in my time in the industry. And, I mean, it's um, everything that I've done um, over the years, is, you know, is, is why, you know, I had a burning urge to, you know, create something for the industry and that with mental health and be able to support it. Um, it's definitely been uh, an industry that I've... Uh, loved and hated uh, for for a lot of years um i grew up you know quite young um in south australia um going back in the late 90s um it was it was quite different down there to what it is today um and i grew up in a you know a very religious household which brought you know uh, brought a lot of pressures of the of their own um didn't really have a very easy time at school so mental health from being young you know really you know, it started quite early for me um, and had quite an impact on my life. Um, and that, and I guess, you know, going through school, you know, and I think, you know, this can be really directed to say, you know, the youth of the industry or ones coming into the industry, apprentices even as well. Um, and that, and, you know, it can be it can be a real battle. Um, I had lots of learning difficulties and that, which I think, you know, probably... 50% chefs do as well. <laughs> um, and that's, so, uh, you know, going through those, battling through high school was really difficult. I left school really young. Um, and uh, by the time I got out, you know, I was, I was 13 years old and uh, looking to um, do work experience for the first time um, and get into the restaurant industry. Had you identified food that young as something that you saw a place for yourself in? Yeah, well, I guess, like, you know, I always loved food and always helped, you know, at home um, and that, like, used to love Bill Granger's books and that they were easy to read, um, loved the pictures and that. So I used to cook a lot of his recipes and they used to work out pretty decent. Um, and that, so we, um, so, yeah, then I came, you know, started food tech in high school and, you know, I had a real flair for it. Um, and that, like, you know, it'd always be the first to finish and that everything would be done, packed down. Most of the time I'd cook on my own. I wouldn't cook with a partner either. And that, so I knew it, it was probably the way for me to get out of school as well um, and, and, you know, get into a career. 
It must have been so great for you if you had those learning disabilities and, and people were giving you a hard time. It must have been so great to find something that you were really good at. Oh, definitely. And, you know, I had its, you know, I had its highs and it had its lows. I, I was very lucky when I started work experience. I started with a franchise. I started with Hogs Breath Cafe. Um, and, and, you know, it was it was a busy, it was a busy restaurant in the, in the Adelaide C- CBD. Um, and that the chef was, he was German and he was, you know, I think like when I was out of the kitchen, he was quite, he was quite full on. Um, and that like, and, and I mean, you know, from that, he always, you know, did right by me. He kept it down in the kitchen, um, when I was in there and they sort of got me through each section of that kitchen to sort of see whether I really liked it or not. Um, and I did. Um, but I guess, you know, from going back and, you know, growing up in a religious family and it was, it was pretty full on religion. Um, and that, and, you know, my parents didn't want me, my mum didn't want me to, you know, work late at night cause I might miss church or, you know, you know, not be able to attend on the weekends cause I'm working in a kitchen. So it wasn't something that they were, um, very supportive about. Um, and didn't really want me to continue. What was the what religion is it, Liam? Oh, so it was, it was a tough one. I, I grew up in a Jehovah's Witness family, um, and that which has a lot of pressures of its own. And I guess you know it's what shaped me. And you know also you know threw a lot of uh, mental issues at me as well. We, you know, you grow up and uh, that you you're not allowed to interact with anyone that isn't a Jehovah's Witness. So going to school, I couldn't you know chat to any of the other kids at school you'd get dragged out of class for you know christmas easter birthdays um because you wouldn't celebrate them um we didn't have a tv at home we also you know we weren't allowed to listen to things on the radio we wouldn't read newspapers and that so it was was a bit more like more like a cult really and that but we were completely withdrawn from everything out there in society that is really intense so for you to then go be going off to hog's breath cafe and interacting with um, some people very much outside your circle, that must have been a very radical thing to bring to your family. Yeah, and, and it was. And once once I sort of told them, like, I didn't meet my father until I was, till I was going on 11, 12 years old, um, met him for the first time. He left when I was, when I was only a, pretty much an infant. Um, and that, so once I started to see him, he wasn't in it, so he was a bit more like, oh, if you want to do what you want to do, just do it. Um, and that, so I remember sitting there one Sunday evening and pulled the phone book out. Uh, I was going through the yellow pages, and I was just ringing restaurant after restaurant. About probably my ninth call, I finally got one. Um, growing up, like, close to McLaren Vale, down the south of Adelaide, um, it's quite a long trek to the city. Once mum was like, oh, sorry, I'm not going to come pick you up at night time. This isn't working for us. Um, that was kind of the end of it. So I managed to get sort of a casual job um, working for Pizza Hut for a little while until um, I turned 14. Um, and then at that point, I, I got myself into an apprenticeship and, you know, school ended up letting me leave. So I left before year 10. And that, so yeah, leaving that young's quite, you know, it's a big step to go into the adult world, um, and you know, sort of do what you want to do. But I think it was an escape from my childhood as well. So you know, I was sort of killing two birds with one stone. And what apprenticeship did you do? So I went into butchery to start with, um, and that because that's what was on. I had that on the table. Um, I went into a supermarket, um, and it was hard being fourteen years old and. You know, you've got, you know, big, 
big tough guys around you and that tough mentality all the time um being an apprentice you know the the a lot of the just the normal butchers which were working with us not my manager he was brilliant he taught me well he really like looked out for me during my apprenticeship but as for the others you know the culture was like, oh, you're just the apprentice and that like we copped it as apprentices, so you're going to cop it even harder. Um, and that, so that, that mentality was quite overbearing for me at times. Um, yeah. What does copying it mean? Oh, so, you know, you say no, you say no to them and uh, you'll get dragged into the call room, been hung up on meat rails. Um, the first, the first little stuff up I remember doing a I picked up everyone's knives at the end of the day and that, and I had, I grabbed them all by the handles. I had probably about eight knives in my hand and uh, one of the butchers turned around and because the blades were sticking out, I walked straight into his arm. So I cut him <gasps> and, that, and that was probably the first one, which, you know, I didn't know whether I wanted to go to work the next day. He pulled, pulled the bone and knife out and he was like, give me the knife and that, and he stabbed me back in the arm and he was like, that's what happens when you do <gasps> stupid things like that. And uh, so that was, that was the first one. And then by the time I sort of hit my third year, I had a 2IC, which was really rough. He was a bikey. And that loved to love to pick on you, and um, sort of he was always very hot cold. You wouldn't know what mood he was going to be in each day, and uh, I'd, I'd I'd split my stomach muscles, and I was on work cover at the time. From you know we had, we didn't have any like weight restrictions on cartons and things like that at that point. So you'd get in forty kilo cartons, and there's a fifteen year old kid trying to pick up like heavy cartons like that, like you're not using the right techniques, and that all of a sudden you know. Going to, going to the physio um so yeah he um he, he didn't like that uh i wasn't going to put the delivery away that day and uh took me in the fridge uh bailed me up against the wall and um gave me an absolute beating with a steel and that so that was the end of it for him he lost his job but um yeah it wasn't uh it wasn't pretty for the next few months afterwards <laughs> i mean that's so must be so hard for you when you're a kid and you haven't had an easy ride already so to process that must have been incredibly difficult uh, it was it wasn't easy, um, and sort of you know it was tough getting up each day to go to work, and that like some days you'd want to go, some days I remember I used to sit in the car park and be like, do I want to go today? And that, and then I'd be like, you know what, just go to work, keep pushing, keep getting through it. Like you've only got you know a year and a half left, like make it count and get it get it over and done with. Um, and that the I think the most enjoyable points were you know leaving leaving work to go to TAFE for two-week blocks because you'd get away from everyone for a couple of weeks. It was like a mini holiday. Wow. <laughs> and that, so I did, did, did all of my TAFE at Regency, at Regency TAFE, which was um, a great experience. And I had some great lecturers there which um, took me under their wing and, you know, gave me, you know, a bit bit of a better education than probably what the guys at work were. So it sort of, you know, there, there was a, a silver lining to it and that was um, a good way to move forward for me. So you moved forward and you and you got back into kitchens. And how did things progress for you? Yeah, so I, my life changed when I was twenty, um, and that and you know I had a few personal things in my life which um, started to get a little bit sort of more on top of me. Um, mental health started to um, have a bit more of an effect, and I, I, you know, I started working in restaurants which I thought were good. Um, and I think this culture still to today is a big one. Um, and 
alcohol is has obviously been a, a drinking culture has obviously been there and a drug culture. Um, but being young, being impressionable, having you know issues from my childhood, it led me into doing you know just starting with party drugs to start with, and that after work, and then you know that spiraled out of control all of a sudden, and that and I ended up becoming addicted to ice and ended up homeless. Um, which was, was, which made things even harder, um, to sort of break through. Um, but I I think, you know, I was really trying to numb the pain of, you know, years prior, um, and get through. I worked really hard still, um, and that, but the, the biggest problem for me during that period was, and I think sort of trying to get clean, get out of it. And I've, I've seen it across, you know, quite a few areas of of the industry in Australia still and that and you you work a job and then your boss goes oh you get paid on Thursday and that and you're like yeah you're desperate for your pay um and and then all of a sudden you know they're like oh sorry we forgot to pay you and then oh we forgot to pay you so that you know the amount of jobs I had to like fight my way through and go well it's not worth staying here they're not going to pay me um and you'd move on to another job and that so it was a constant vicious cycle for years for a good couple of years to not only you know battle your own demons and that plus work in a in a highly intense job um and that but you know trying to you know get ahead in life as well it was um it was quite a difficult point in my life so you're using ice you're using ice and you were homeless but you were still working so were you couch surfing and just keeping um it was going from job to job literally couch surfing and job to job um and that and then i'd i'd move into a share house and be like yes finally i'm getting my life together and i'd be like i can pay you you know i'd pay him a little bit of what i had and that and i'd be like i'll pay you the rest on you know friday when i get paid or thursday when i get paid and then money wouldn't come from uh, work so then you'd be like, oh, wow, sorry, I can't pay. So it was just this cycle that you're in. Yeah, and then the week after you'd be like, oh, I should get my pay by Wednesday. They've said they're going to process it straight away and then it wouldn't come again. So you'd be kicked out of the house and you'd be back back where you started. And that's so, yeah. How was that for your mental health? Oh, difficult. Suicidal and that like, you know, some days you'd just be like, why am I doing this? Like, what's the point? Why, why am I still, you know, trying to, you know, not only hold a job, um, sort of retrain myself in the kitchen from being a butcher for years as well um, and, and battle all those demons all in one? It, it was just really difficult. And uh, during the early 2000s as well, we had um, – there was a strong culture of, of, of drugs as well and there were quite a few restaurants which um, unfortunately and that, that they offered drugs instead of money. So it didn't really make it any easier. And that for, you know, not only employees working within these venues, but, you know, trying to move on and get out of it as well. It was really, really difficult. Well, it's so hard. I mean, what what was the turning point? Because, I mean, this isn't your life now. So was it one thing or was it, was it a, a, a slog along a long pathway? Like how did you turn the corner? Yeah. <laughs> Oh yeah, it was. Um, I've got, I've got, I've got, got a lovely, lovely missus, and we've got, we've, we've got a thirteen-year-old son now. Um, so that sort of, um, that sort of helped, you know, a little bit to, you know, start turning my life around. So she was, she was with you through all this. No, afterwards. Um, so she came in afterwards, and that once I started getting things back to normal um, and getting my life back together again. So it's sort of that, that was a, a big help. But you know, I think. You know, I found other avenues to, to help myself and I guess it's, it comes back again to hospo for life is, you know, if there were services back then which, you know, we could have 
relied on or, you know, called or they were there, we didn't have the mental health support of what we have now. Um, and it's, you know, there's a lot more awareness around mental health now, especially in hospitality. Um, so I guess it was just a lot of perseverance. And, you know, I found myself going through lots of jobs um, for a while and that until I finally found a spot which, you know, I found my niche. Um, I eventually moved moved over to Sydney and that for um, for 12 months and started to spread my wings um, through a couple of restaurants in Sydney here, and uh, which went really, really well. Um, I was head chef of a, a really nice one down in uh, Newtown and, and Neutral Bay as well. Um, and that, so that gave me sort of a good, a good step forward and that worked with some brilliant chefs as well along the way. Um, I knew that, you know, moving to Sydney was probably the best step to progress my career. So I packed the family up and decided to move over here permanently. Um, and I guess that's where things started to really, you know, I came into my own once I moved to Sydney, um, not knowing too many people. It was, it was tough you know, moving to Sydney alone, not really knowing anyone still, no family here either um, for anybody, but we still decided to do it. And it was, the, I think the, the turning point for me, I, I was moving over here for a job. Um, that job fell through. Um, I got offered a significantly lower paid role um, at a busy hotel in uh, Coogee. Um, which had, you know, still had its standard, you know, problems, but there were other bigger issues and that and health and safety issues at that point in time. And I had a chef turn around to me after I approached the team and said, look, this is, this needs to change. Like we can't keep going on like this. It's not good for the team. And, uh, and they said, well, if you don't like it, you can, um, like it, leave. And I was like, wow, if that's the way you're going to go about it. Um, so I did. And I started, decided to start a business seven years ago. Wow. But I mean, obviously you were feeling in a much stronger place personally to be able to notice that something wasn't right and that you weren't prepared to stand for it. You were going to, um, yeah, you were going to take a position and stick to it. Yeah, big time. And and it was like, you know, if, if you're going to push someone out the door for, you know, trying to better the workplace, not just for yourself, but for everyone in the whole team, it was a big team. There's about 20 of us. Um, and that like, what, what are we doing it for, you know, and that, and you kind of expect that from your management team to, you know, support, you know, your ideas, especially in the position that I was in as well. Like I would have expected maybe a little bit more respect in that regard, but it just wasn't there. So I guess it's sort of, we decided to start a catering business. Um, I began a brand called Dinner with Liam at Home um, and we started small. We started on Instagram it was, you know, was it tough? Yeah, it was. Like, did I put 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 my house in jeopardy? Yes, I did. Um, and that, and you know, we persevered and we 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 carried on. And I tell you what, after, after those seven years, it, it's really, you know, it's it's come to where it's got to. We we rebranded uh, four years ago um, into DWL Hospitality, um, which was absolutely amazing. I developed a, a juice bar which uh, was turned into 13 franchises over two years. Um, so that sort of gave us a really solid hold on where we were going and where the business was going to place itself as well. Um, so, yeah, it was really, really good. 
So, Liam, I just want to dig into it a little bit more because, I mean, that is a pretty incredible transition from an ice addict who is couch surfing and just going from job to job to a guy who's uh, starting a business, working hard to uh, to make it succeed and then uh, getting a juice bar concept with some franchise off the ground. I mean, that is pretty incredible. And I, I know these stories are never simple and, and that it, you probably can't point to one thing. But you've, you've spoken about moving to Sydney, so I guess that's that. That fresh start aspect, working for some, having some really good people to to mentor you, uh, finding the love of a good woman, which can never be underestimated. <laughs> I guess there's also a bit of maturity there, just as you you grow up and and get a bit of perspective. But I mean, have I? Are these the kinds of things we're talking about, or is there something else that you can point to that was really that really made a difference in your trajectory? Yeah, definitely. Like, I mean, having. You said it before, like mentors and that are massive and that like it doesn't matter whether you're an apprentice, whether you're a chef, whether you've been in the industry for like, you know, 40 years, having a mentor or having like, you know, at least a couple of close friends which, you know, support your ambition and support your dream um, and what you're trying to achieve, it makes a huge difference. Like, you know, going from, you know, creating a juice bar into 13 franchise stores was, you know, that that wasn't a simple feat either, um, but I've got a you know, a great repertoire and I'm very good at development. Um, I'm very good at conceptualising projects for people um, and, and it, it's worked. Like we had, we had um, I was the, the head chef and uh, developer of uh, Good Fat Avocado pop-up um, a couple of years ago, which went absolute gangbusters um, around Australia and worldwide. So it's, you know, you, you kind of come through with those things. And I guess when you, when you're passionate about something, and I always had that passion, but I always had these stepping stones in between, which always either held me back or restricted me from doing what I wanted to do. Um, so to finally get out and have that freedom, um, to do what you want to do, it's, um, it, it, it's a great feeling. Um, definitely over the last, couple of years across our private dining we expanded that into melbourne brisbane and perth um i've been honored to have literally some of the best chefs in australia work for me which have gone we'll help you liam um which you know says a lot about our business and all of our staff have been with us for you know since the beginning like we've had obviously newbies but everyone's been with us for seven years so we've built a really strong family culture around my business as well so everyone's been really supportive of one another which you know it creates a pillar of strength for everyone not only in my team and that but for yourself as well and for them um to you know not only support yourself but support them um at the same time um so that's you know been an absolute amazing i th- i feel like that's what's got us to where we've got. Um, it hasn't just been, you know, myself. I, I, I couldn't thank my whole team enough and that for the support that they've given us over seven years either. I guess, you know, when you've come up through the School of Hard Knocks, there's a couple of roads that people tend to go on. It's the one where you just, like those butchers did, where they, they just give as hard as they got. And then there's um, the other way where you realise that that's perhaps not a good way to help someone up in their career. So what sort of leader are you? Yeah, like I, I'm, I'm, I'm strong and I'm dynamic and that like, you know, but there's, there's a, there's there's a there's there's the right way and the wrong way of going about things and i guess you know as chefs you know we're not born to teach people or we're not you know probably born to be leaders either and that so you know everyone has to sort of 
fit into that role somewhere in their career. Um, but I guess it's, um, I think one thing that I've learned and it has taken a lot to learn like what works and what doesn't work. And that's to be compassionate of everyone's needs and everyone's wants. If someone's going to speak to you, whether it's in kitchen, front of house, um, and that take the time to listen to them um, and that, and hear what they've got to say. Because I think, you know, there's been across, across the hospitality industry, which makes it hard. I know, especially for chefs and that, and chefs that don't get listened to, they've got great ideas. And, you know, sometimes you might go, yeah, you know, good on you and that, but like never, never discount someone's ideas that that might not benefit what you're actually doing within your team. And I find, I think that's a better way of, of leadership um, because everyone then, you know, they've had a say, you know, everyone's able to speak, speak their mind freely, um, which then makes it easier for people to open up about problems if they're having any problems um, and you're approachable. Um, and I think if the more approachable you are as a leader, um, the, the better it is not only for yourself but, you know, your, your whole business um, and your strategy in business as well. And I think the difference that it can make for someone to feel like they've been heard and that their idea is, has helped the business along, uh, that can be so powerful for someone. That could just really come at the right time for someone, couldn't it? Yeah, and involving everyone, like one thing that we've done well is involve everyone in our success over the last seven years, um, you know, it, I could take it, take all the credit for myself, but, you know, I'd be doing everyone else an injustice because they've put in just as much hard work as what I have um, into my business. So it's really appreciating, you know, every single member of your team and what they do for you. Um, we've had a couple of, couple of uh, people in our team which have um, struggled mentally over the, um, over the last few years. And, you know, there's, it could have got quite rough at some point, but being a listening ear and, you know, being supportive still and being compassionate, um, not just throwing in the towel and going, you know what, get out of here, like, I don't want to hear it um, and that, but actually, you know, looking at it from their perspective on how they're feeling um, and that makes a big difference. And, you know, you can overcome those hurdles then. You can overcome those barriers. No one has to leave. No one has to get fired and that. But you sort of, you know, once everybody understands that you're actually, we're here to support you as well, um, it makes a huge difference to everybody and, and whatever they're going through and it makes a big difference for them as well. Well, I guess it's a testament to the trust that you've got in your team that you've been able to launch Hospo for Life about a year ago and uh, spend so much time building something big and new. So tell us about Hospo for Life. Yeah, so when I launched Hospo for Life, yeah, just over 12 months ago, um, the, the idea for an industry-specific mental health service came about after a number of past colleagues, um, some some that were still close friends, uh, suicided within a matter of weeks. Um, wow. I was quite overwhelmed. That is, oh, that's so awful. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it was quite overwhelming um, as well and that, that, you know, all of this was, you know, hitting home to me about, you know, what I'd felt over the years as well um, and that and, you know, what could we do, like what what could have I done to at least, you know, stop one of them from happening um, and that and so I knew going through all of that and, you know, learning a lot about so many other people's journeys as well over the years and the problems that they battle and the demons that they fight um, at work, um, it's sort of, 
I started putting it all together and searching for a solution to, you know, start tackling mental health problems across the industry and, and across the whole of Australia. Um, I didn't want to, you know, go out there with a campaign about, you know, awareness and talk just talking about it um, and that I wanted to actually find a realistic solution that people can finally use and it's something that's just dedicated to the hospitality industry um, and that so you know it was a gamble I put put a lot of uh, a lot of my savings um, into setting everything up and we affiliated ourselves with our tiers group who have been a major player in the corporate mental health space um, and that and I mean by by doing that it, it it's opened up a a network now for the industry to, you know, not not have a counsellor at the other end, but actually have an accredited psychologist to be able to uh, support them whenever they need it. Um, and we we we're managing to do this. We pay for those appointments um, ourselves, um, and that through Hospo for Life, and they're free of charge to those in the industry, and they're available twenty four seven. And you know, I thought well. You know, a lot of chefs and hospitality staff, they can't, you know, go to a psychiatrist or a psychologist during the day because they're stuck at work. And that's so that first step for someone with mental health problems is always the most difficult step. Um, and that whether it's financial, whether it's, you know, not being able to take the time off work or the boss goes, oh, I'm sorry, it was your day off on Thursday and you've already got something planned to go and see someone. And then they go, sorry, we need you at work today because someone's sick. So you go to work and that, and you put yourself last all the time. And I wanted to create a service that all of a sudden people can start putting themselves first. Um, so by doing that, we 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 supply we we um, supply that first session free of charge, and then subsequent appointments um, can be made with the same psychologist, and that which uh, our tiers uh, tick off um, through um, through through their side of things, which is free as well. So Altius is like a sort of health agency, is it? It's got a they've got a team of different therapists that's available mostly to to corporates, but then you've partnered with them to offer some services that are specifically targeted to people in hospitality. Is that the way it works? Yeah, definitely, definitely. And and as I say, they're they're all trained psychologists, so it's um so it's you know it, it's it's a real solid service for um for our hospitality workers. Do you think there's something that, that a psychologist that's tuned into the hospitality industry might do or ask or understand that uh, would be different to the general population? Yeah, I, I, I guess so. And that, but the the I think the 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 best part about it is is everyone's in a different field. So you know, if if someone if say you've got you know someone that's been in the industry for years, their relationships are breaking down at home, um, and that. And it, and that's the that's the core problem of their mental health issues. Um, that can be dealt with by someone that's specialised in that area. And that whether it's you know lifestyle, whether it's drug counselling, whether it's you know alcohol or other mental health problems associated, there's someone in the right area to be able to support that. So you're not just you know seeing someone which is going to ask you a broad amount of questions which um you know about how you're feeling and you know tr slowly getting to the bottom of it like those issues can be dealt with straight away and tackled from the word go 
um, which I think makes it a lot a lot stronger um, at the end of the day for um, hospitality workers because you know a lot of us haven't got time and everyone's always looking for a quick fix um, and I guess it's sort of it's it just makes it a lot a lot quicker um, for people to get that help that they need. Um, I guess you know the hardest part recently with COVID um, when COVID hit. And hospitality workers losing their jobs, um, you know, we were lucky enough to really, you know, step up and support the industry, the industry's frontline um, during that. And, you know, that, that sort of hasn't happened for a long time in the industry. So, yeah, um, I'm really happy with uh, what our tiers provide. They've been absolutely amazing. So any anyone who's in hospitality can get in touch with Hospo for Life at any time and access some of this support. Is that that's right? Yeah, they sure can. They sure can. So Liam, what should they do? Where, where do they go? Uh, well, all they need to do is go to our website, which is www.hospoforlife.com.au, um, and they can they can uh, get in touch straight away. They can get in touch with us through social media as well, um, through Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn. Um, and that, and we'll get them set up. We're we're just about to um, launch our um, our app, um, which is a, another big step forward for Hospo for Life, um, which will make things a lot easier um, for hospitality workers to go direct and make those appointments for themselves. So the Hospo for Life app, which which is powered by Altius, um, it contains specifics to the mental health needs of hospitality workers um, and different support tools, health tracking, recipes. Um, and it also, yeah, so as I said, it, it has a direct link which can link them straight to a psychologist when they need it. Um, so it, it's a great platform for people to use. And, you know, if they want to do it confidentially, have that confidentiality behind it as well because they might be worried you know someone might say something and that they've got that you know avenue to keep it keep it private as well so i think it's um the the app's going to be a great step forward for the industry um the goal tracker in it i mean you know you can punch in into all sorts of different categories, how you feel on a scale. Um, you can set notification times so it can send you back notifications during the day on different areas which can help you in those areas which you're suffering mentally. Um, so it's it's a very all-round, you know, well-rounded app to support people which, you know, 90% of us have got our phones glued to our hands these days. So, um, I mean, it's sort of, it's putting, you know, it's putting control back into your hands. So, Liam, I know that one of the things you're really big on is having an interest or a hobby and you do something that's pretty cool and unusual in your spare time. Tell us what you do. Yeah, so I've got a couple of things, Danny. Um, I've, I've been a keen musician for years um, and that which, I mean, for stress and that and all sorts of, you know, even mental health problems and that music is very soothing um, and it's very relaxing. So I, I spend spend my time doing that whenever I'm feeling stressed or, you know, need a bit of time out um, and some relaxation. Um, I find it works really, really well. Last year I decided to get into a field which, um, I, you know, another one which I didn't think that I'd be able to do um, and thought, you know, it's probably, probably not smart enough to do it um, and I became a pilot. So in my my spare time now, that's uh, I spend my time in aviation um, and and flying as much as I can, which um, is another great great uh, stress relief as well. And that uh, going up in the air. That's so amazing. I just 
I cannot help but see that that boy with the yellow pages flicking through it and calling all the <laughs> restaurants and all that long journey that you had ahead of you. And I'm just so happy that you get to fly and teach and mentor and, uh, yeah, just just spread good things to the industry that you knew you wanted to be in from when you were just a little boy. So, Liam, I think your story is amazing and I think Hospo for Life is such a credit to you. I'm sure it's already helped people and it will continue to. Uh, thank you thank you so much for what you do and thanks for having a chat to Dirty Linen today. It's an absolute pleasure. Thanks for having me, Danny. This is Dirty Linen and I'm Danny Vallant. We air the issues that the hospitality industry finds hard to talk about. We spend a week thrashing around each issue, hearing from different people with unique perspectives. We want to hear from you as well. If you have something that needs to be said about a topic, get in touch so we can include your perspective. Contact us at dirtylinen at deepintheweeds.com.au or hit us up on Insta at Dirty Linen Podcast. We can't wait to hear from you. This is a Deep in the Weeds production.